All right, so could we just take a moment to like see how awesome that trip was? Like, how many lives did it impact? Like, it was amazing. And I'd just like to thank everyone that went on the trip, and I'd like to thank everyone who made it possible for us to go on this trip. Okay, so we had sort of a guest, guest pastor go with us. He's a youth pastor from another church in Vandalia. His name's Jeff. And Jeff was a super awesome guy. He had sweet messages. He was a cool guy to get along with. But the, the message that got the most out of me from was the last, the last one that he preached on Sunday night. And Jeff spoke with us about how he had a best friend in high school. Uh, well, he found out, him and his friends found out that his best friend had cancer. And they sort of just brushed it off. Oh, he's going to get through this. He'll get better. He's going to beat it. And then, however long later, Jeff found himself at his friend's funeral. And us as youth members, as teens and just younger people, we sort of feel this invincibility that, oh, this could never happen to us. This could never happen to someone we know. This is impossible. This is so unreal to think about. But the sad truth is that it does happen, and it happens more than it should. I've learned this from experience. Um, first of all, I'd just like to say that I have the greatest best friend in the entire world. That's her up there. That was me in the front, and that's her in the back. That was freshman year of high school. Um, her name's Amy, and she's, she's, I promise you, she was just as beautiful on the inside as she is on the outside. Amazing person. Well, in March last year, I was at youth group, and we were broken off into these groups that we used to have called unit groups. And our leader was Sean, and Sean let us listen to this uh, video, and it was called A Letter from Hell. And I know most of you probably haven't even heard of this before, but it's about these two best friends that get in a car accident and they both die. Well, one friend was a Christian, while the other friend wasn't. And this video was taken from the point of view of the kid who wasn't a Christian. And the Christian friend made it to heaven, and the other one didn't. So the one that didn't make it, it's just terrifying to hear what he has to say. He just says, why didn't you introduce me to, the, to your Jesus? Why didn't you bring me to church? Why didn't you save me? And I remember Jeff just saying how guilty he felt that he didn't bring his friend to church and didn't introduce him to God. And I, I felt this because during that video, I just felt God saying, you need to bring Amy to church. You need to bring her back to me. Bring her to church with you so I can get to her again. So that Monday at school, I invited her to church. And she said, yeah, man, I really feel like I need this in my life right now. I've got some crazy stuff happening, and I just really need Jesus right now. And, well, two days after that, on a Wednesday, Amy went home after school and committed suicide. And I remember my mom coming into the room and telling me what happened, and I felt this guilt that Jeff talked about that, that I didn't do enough to bring her closer to God. And no one should ever have to feel this pain, this guilt. You should, everyone should always have a chance to make it to heaven and get close to God. 
And you should never, ever have to second guess on whether your best friend or your loved ones, a family member, makes it to heaven. It should always be a definite answer, and that answer should be yes. They should always make it. And you know, this, this needs to stop. We need to change. This can't happen anymore. No one should have to feel this way. So it's up to us as a church to bring our loved ones, our family members, our friends, just even a coworker. Like, that's awesome that someone brought a coworker. Like, to church, we can change people's lives. And I can't do this by myself. No, not a single person can do it by themselves. There's this verse I like by an artist that I, that I really look up to, and he says, it's not I and me, it's us and we, and we will impact this world. So how about we impact this world? Bring someone to church, bring them closer to God. This needs to stop. Everyone should have a chance to make it to heaven. We've been talking about that and uh, several of the people that will be baptized today as part of their testimony as someone invited them to church and you never know what happens when you invite someone to church. They just may end up in the baptistry and so I appreciate the teens going on that trip. I appreciate the, the, the challenge to be an inviting group of people and I've noticed the teens on Facebook this week. They've been inviting people to church and and let's just be that type of church um, that as we scatter and as the right time happens and as God opens the door that we would invite someone to church. And that's what we talked about last week. And we said when you invite someone to church, you don't have to explain everything. You don't have to be able to know too much. You just be able to say, come and see. And that's what we talked about. Part of our scattering lives is, is, is coming to the point in our relationship with people that we would indeed get to that point where we feel like that they would, would be able to want to come to a church service and then we don't have to explain a lot of things to them. After all, Christianity is not something to be explained, it's someone to know and that's what we really tried to bear down on last week. That Christianity is, is, not, is, not, is not something to be explained, it's someone to know. And there's many things you can't explain about Christianity. And I think sometimes we may not be real fired up about scattering or fired up about sharing our faith or witnessing whatever, whatever word you want to put on that because we're afraid people sometimes are going to ask us questions that we don't know the answer to. You know what? They will. They ask me questions that I don't know the answer to. And we just tell them to come and see and, and come. And as they sit among the people and as they sit in the corporate worship experience and they, they sit amongst the Holy Spirit, they won't know they're sitting amongst the Holy Spirit, but as they sit here, they'll start to experience someone and that's the person of Jesus Christ and so we want to be a church with an inviting culture we want to be a church that as we scatter that we have people on our hearts and we have people on our minds that we want to be able to bring into the corporate body of people and that's what we've been talking about uh, last week we talked about the week before we talked about witnessing and we said that's a real scary word for a lot of people but witnessing is nothing more than being able to be able to tell what God has where he's brought you from, a little bit about your life before Christ, uh, how you came to Christ, and a little bit of your life after Christ. It's just what God has done for you. It's nothing to really get fired up about. It's nothing to sweat too much. It's just your own personal testimony. This is what God has done for me. And as we baptize today, you'll hear eight personal testimonies and of what God has done for them. And that's what it means to witness. Joanna Riley has been attending this church uh, for a while and got saved here 
And uh, her little daughter has been coming as well. And she said, you know, I've got a little story uh, of my little daughter and some things that she's doing. And at four years old, she's even trying to witness at four years old. And could I I tell that? And I said, well, why don't we put that on video and incorporate that in one of our services? And we have time to incorporate that right now. Would you listen to this story of a mom telling about her little daughter? My name is Joanna, and I wanted to share a thought with you today. What stops me from talking to people about God? I know there for a while myself, I was lost, so I definitely couldn't talk to people then. And then as I was starting to know the Lord again, I found myself wanting to share and talk with people, but didn't know where to start. I was also afraid, afraid of what they might say, afraid of what they might think. And then I realized that God gave me a great example in my daughter, Avalyn. Her daddy, my husband, doesn't come to church. He knows God, but he doesn't like coming to church. I've talked to him about it, but that was about it. It was Avalyn that showed me how to do it. She would go up to her daddy and she would say, Daddy, Jesus loves you all day. Now to her, all day means forever. (laughs) He would smile and go about his business, but she kept this up. Then she invited him to her Christmas program, and he said, okay. He came and enjoyed it, and the Sunday after that, she came up and said, are you going to come to church with us again? And he looked at her, and he said, maybe sometime, but not today. Now, this is a guy who always said no. She looked at him, and she said, well, just remember, Daddy, Jesus loves you all day. Her message was simple. Jesus loves you. And yet I find myself hesitating. And when I find myself hesitating, I just look at Avalyn, the girl that found a Bible in the waiting room and opened it up and looked at the gentleman that was there with us and said, Jesus loves you all day. To which he looked at her and said, thank you. I needed to be reminded of that. And when he was called back, he looked and he said, I hope that little light shines bright for Jesus, always. Again, her message was simple. Nothing fancy, nothing long, just simple. Jesus loves you all day. So I'm going to try and go with the example that God blessed me with, my daughter, and her simple message, Jesus loves you. Thank you for letting me share. God bless. And remember, Jesus loves you all day. You know, there's a lot of reasons that we have uh, children's programs. And you know, at the top of the list, it's not so your kid can get up here and you can smile at your child. It's so the Johns of the world will come to church. We had 200 and some odd extra people here that day. I don't know how many of them don't come to church anywhere. But please remember, almost everything we do is to be able to get people that don't know Jesus in this place. It's great that your kid's up here singing a song. It's great that you're smiling, proud of them. The reason we do that is because the Johns of the world just might come to hear their little girl. It wouldn't come any other time. And just maybe God could get a hold of their heart. Jesus loves you all day. And just maybe it can be just as simple as that.
Last week we said, come and see. And what does it mean to come and see? And that's what we want to be able to talk about today. We, we said last week that you don't have to have a whole lot of explanations. You just have to be able to invite people to be able to uh, experience Jesus. That Jesus can't totally be explained, but he can be experienced. And while that's true, some of you may have taken that the wrong way and somehow think that Christianity is, is not a a thinking religion. I just need to be able to get some goosey bumps or I just need to be able to, to empty my mind and somehow experience Jesus in some new age way or somehow let Jesus invade my body or whatever. But this Christianity is, while it can't fully be explained, the Bible all the way through says that it is a, a thinking religion. And one of the things that we do when we just say, come and see, which was the model that Jesus used when he gathered his 12 disciples, this is just not something we're making up, what, what Jesus meant by come and see was, was, was one of the ways he meant, things he meant by that is to be able to come and, and, and think with me, uh, come and, 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 and be able to reason this out, come and be able to think through this. And we, we see that in a lot of places in Scripture. John 1 is one of the places we see that. Verse 35, do you have that up here, Jennifer? Uh, this text says, and this is when Jesus started gathering his people. It says, the next day John, that'd be John the Baptist, was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and said, what do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he says, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying and spent the day with him. It was about 10 10th hour, which means 4 o'clock. You know, in that culture, it was a very hospitable culture. These guys were almost inviting themselves into Jesus' house. They, 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 they were inviting themselves just to be able to come and hang out with Jesus and, and to be able to hear Jesus teach and be able to hear Jesus be able to talk. And they were just going to come and be with him. And part of the being with him was experiencing him, but part of the being with him is to understand who he is. And he, he's a rabbi to these people. He's a teacher. And to be able to hear him teach, and that's what Jesus came to do. And he came to teach. And that's why most most of the time, before he was known as Savior and Lord, he's referred to as rabbi because he was a teacher, and he was teaching about the kingdom of God. So what does it mean to come and see? Of course it means to be able to eventually experience Jesus because he can't fully be explained, but it also means to come and think with me. It also means to come and reason with me. It also means to come and wrestle with this. It, almost, it also means to come and, and, and figure this out. It also, it also means to our Rabbi Jesus, come and, and, and teach me. Who are you? What is it that you want from me? And all of that is come and see. We'll never be able to explain every little jot and tittle of Scripture. We'll never be able to figure it all out. The Bible says it's by faith that we please him. It's not by reasoning, it's not by fully uh, explaining everything and have this Christian life just wrapped around my little finger. I'll never get a PhD in Christianity. But part of that is to being able to have a thinking man's faith. In the chapter 10 of Luke, chapter 10 of Luke, we have someone asked Jesus was the greatest commandment, and you know what he said. He said, to love the Lord your God, yes, with all your heart. Be all in with your heart and your emotions, yes, with your soul, and yes, with your strength but also to be able to love him with all of your mind. Friends, we have, a, we have a thinking religion, one that I'll never be able to totally figure out. Some things, yes, I have to take by faith, but it's not, a, it's not something I have to empty my mind. It's not something that I just say, well, I don't know anything about it. I just accept it by faith. 
we have a Bible that we're to read. We come and we're here teaching. Jesus is our rabbi, and he teaches us through Scripture and through the Holy Spirit. And we come in small groups, and we come in discipleship class and Sunday school class and ladies' Bible study and manly Mondays. This is a faith that we must get our mind around because you've heard me say it before. If you're a Christian that has it in the heart, that's okay. If you're a Christian that has it in the mind, that's okay too. But when you get those two things together, that one has it in the heart and one has, has it in the mind, you are a weapon in the hands of God. Come and see means to be able to come and talk it out. Hey, let's debate it. Ask me your questions. It's okay to come with your unbelief. It may not be okay for the church because there are sometimes we put people down for their own belief and usually the reason we put people down for their unbelief is because we don't know the answer to their question. And why can't we just say, well, I don't, I don't know that. But maybe, maybe there's someone that does. I'm not sure I understand that. But maybe at my Sunday school class, we can talk that together in my Sunday school class. 1 Corinthians chapter 14 talks about we're going to pray with our mind and we're going to pray with our spirit and we're going to sing with our mind and we're going to sing with our spirit. Praying is not something I just disengage my mind. That's why many of us pray at the point of a pencil. That's why many of you have a prayer list. It's not just something I just totally disengage my mind. I'm thinking through that. And I'm, when I'm praying and, and I notice that, that uh, I've got to get up and answer the phone, I get up and answer the phone if I want to, but I come back to my prayer list because it's just not something I do and put myself in some kind of a trance I pray with my mind and I pray with my spirit and I sing with my mind and I sing with my spirit. I don't give a rip about the music, whether it be guitars, drums, or organs and piano. I don't care about the music. It's the words of the music. I don't care about the beat of the music. It's the words of the music. Music has, is not Christian or not. Music is all moral. It's the words that make a song Christian or not. And friends, the Bible tells us to sing, not just totally go into some kind of trance and, 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 and let the music carry me away in some kind of emotional way. I sing with my spirit and I sing with my mind and I know what I'm singing and Jesus paid it all. Philippians 1.9 says, Paul says, this, this is my prayer that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. What is love? Well, it's just a goosebumpy feeling. Paul prays that it would abound more and more in knowledge. It would abound more and more in depth of insight. Come and see means to come and think. Come and reason. Come and wrestle with this. Come and ask questions. Come and, come and deal with the difficult questions. You're going to have faith in those areas that you, your, your finite mind will never be able to figure out, but Paul prays that, that your love would, would abound more and more in knowledge. Well, why are you loving? I don't know. I'm loving. It just feels good to love. No. That your knowledge would, 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 would abound more and more, that your love would abound more and more in knowledge and in depth of insight. You know, one of the most famous verses in all of Scripture is John 8, 32. It said, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. 
Emotion doesn't set you free. There's nothing wrong with emotion. I wouldn't give a rip about Christianity that you can't shed a tear about. There's nothing wrong with emotion, but emotion won't set you free. Goosebumps don't set you free. It's the truth. It's the truth that must be handled with your mind and with your heart that will set you free. Romans 12.2 says, I don't grow just by a trip to the altar. Romans 12.2 says, I'm not transformed just by a holy baseball bat that knocks some sense into me. Romans 12.2 says, I am transformed by the renewing of my mind. How do you change in the Christian life? How, how, how do you transform? How do you go from the old man to the new man? How do you go from the old self to the new self? Paul says you are transformed. The word there is where we get the word that's the process of a caterpillar turning into a butterfly. The word that's translated transform there is, is where we get the word that's the process of a caterpillar that turns into a butterfly. That's the type of transformation that God expects in my life. That's the kind of transformation that, is, that is, can be expected, that you can expect in, the trans, in your life as you start to think differently by the renewing of your mind. And as all that old stuff gets taken out and the new stuff gets put in, it's just not an emptying of the old stuff. And I just sit there in some kind of emotional trance. It's, it's the emptying of the old stuff and putting the new stuff in. It's the renewing of my mind that transformation can be able to come in my life. And Paul says it's transformation like a caterpillar when he turns into a butterfly. That's the change that can happen in the Christian life. What happens when you come and see? Oh, yes, it's, I'll never fully be able to explain all this. I cannot explain how God spoke this world into existence. I can't do that. The book of Hebrews tells me that I will only believe that God is creator by faith. It says I'll only believe that God is creator by faith. You, who can explain that? You can get Ph.D. In, in creation science and you still can't be able to explain that. But that doesn't mean that I don't bring my mind to this thing. That don't mean I, I don't think. I don't reason. I don't wrestle. I, I don't debate. I don't ask questions. I don't deal with my unbelief. Come and see. Come and see. They stayed with Jesus until the 10th hour. Come and see. They stayed with their rabbi. And what does the rabbi do? He teaches. Other places in Scripture, we see disciples sitting at the feet of Jesus. What are they doing sitting at the feet of Jesus? He's teaching them. After Jesus was raised from the dead in the book of Acts, he said for 40 days he taught them about the kingdom of God. Come and see. Come and see. Wrap your mind around this thing as much as you can, but knowing you'll totally never be able to explain everything. There are things you will have to take by faith. Come and see means one other thing that I think is interesting. It's right here in this passage. Now, they didn't, not only did they stay with Jesus to the 10th hour and sit with their rabbi Jesus and spend time with him and let their rabbi Jesus do what he, he did with them, he, come and see means to come and be able to, to deal with this with other people. Come and be able to process this with friends. Come and, 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 and be able to be amongst people of like-minded faith and, 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 and who are wrestling with the same issues. 
Come and, 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 and be able to sit with friends that, that maybe they have the answer and that you don't have the answer. Maybe they're farther along in the faith and, and, than you are, and, and you can feed off of their maturity. And maybe they can feed off of your maturity. Maybe you can be able to feed into someone else's life as they feed into your life. This, this Christianity, John Wesley said, is not a solitary religion. This Christianity is an us thing, and we see that in John chapter 1, verse 43 and 46. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee, finding Philip. He said, follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, were from the town of Bethsaida. Now, what did Philip do? He went and found Nathaniel. What did Philip do? He went and found Nathaniel. We have found the one that Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth! Can anything good come from there? Nathaniel says, and Philip just said, just, just come and see. Just come and see. Come and see means to come with me. He didn't say, well, go over there and pray about it by yourself. Well, go over there and sit under the tree and meditate on it. Well, well go to the synagogue and be able to sit there, and God will give you some magical wisdom. No, he said, why don't you just come with me? Let's, let's go see, and let's, let's think this out together. And let's reason this thing out together. I don't, I don't, I don't really know how anything good can come with Nazareth. Let's just come and, let's just come and hear this man teach. Friends, Christianity is not a solitary religion. It's an us thing. And it's always been an us thing. And there will be people who try to make it a solitary religion and said, me and Jesus got a good thing going. Me and Jesus got it all figured out. The Bible does not understand that. It's a personal faith, yes. It's a personal faith, yes. You must come to Jesus yourself. There are only children of God. There are no grandchildren of God. You're not grandfathered in because your mama was a saint or your daddy was a saint. You must come to Jesus by yourself. It is a personal faith, but it is not a private faith. And if you want to grow and mature in the faith, if you want to have a biblical Christianity, if you truly want to experience the fruits of the Spirit, if you truly want to be able to grow in this thing, you must know it's an us thing. This thing is to be processed with friends. It's to be processed with people. Some of you come to church and, and you sit amongst the people and you, you experience something and it's, it's really good and you like it and and and. and but it's hard for you to put it all together because you're just by yourself and you don't have a Sunday school class or you don't have a small group or you don't have a ladies' Bible study or you don't have a manly Monday or you don't have some, some gathering of people or you, you, you don't meet with somebody at Tim Hortons and just talk about your Christian life together. This life is not meant. Christian life is not meant to go at it alone. You need other people. I need other people spurring me on, encouraging me toward love and good deeds. It's really important. What does come and see mean? It means come with, with people. I mean, come and see, man. It, don't, don't just go over there and think about it. Don't just go over there and pray about it. Come and see. Let's talk it out. Jesus went and found Philip. Philip found Nathaniel. Somewhere along the line, Simon went in. Andrew and Simon, they're all together, and they sit, and they, they thought this thing out. It wasn't one disciple. It was 12 disciples. He could have just invested in one person. 
That what, what Jesus and this one person could have started this whole thing, but no, he started with 12. Because it's important to have camaraderie. It's important to have a support group. It's, it's important to have people right there with you. We started a new small group. Karen Cummins and her husband Mark started a new small group, and we're starting two more where some Greg and Hebrink and Brian Leach are starting two groups, and we're getting people together. We've got other Sunday school classes. If you want to be in a group, if you want to come together with people, you come talk to me about that. And if, if, if you don't want to be in a small group or something structured, you find another Christian that you can sit with at Tim Hortons. You find another Christian that you can sit with at Panera Bread or wherever, and you can talk about the things of the faith. You can pray with each other because this is not a solitary religion. Can I tell you something that I believe with all my heart? I don't see how anybody can make it to heaven without the church. I've never known a person I've never known a single person that has left the church that has kept a vibrant, growing spiritual life. Never met a one. Whatever church you want to talk about, I'm not talking about this church, I'm talking about any church. I'm talking about the gathering of the people. I've never met a single person who has left the gathering of the people. Well, they got mad and, and somebody did something to them and all that happens. That happens in every church. We know that. I've never met a person that no longer is in the corporate gathering of the people that still has a vibrant, growing witness for Jesus. Not a one. I don't see how you can stay warm by yourself. Well, Mark, what if you're stranded on a desert island? Well, I guess God will give you the grace, but there's not a single one of us stranded on a desert island. Lots of scriptures about this. Hebrews chapter 4 is one of them. Hebrews chapter 4. You know, Hebrews is interesting because they have all these let us scriptures. <laughs> all through the book of Hebrews, it says let us do something. Let us do something. Let us do something. Hebrews 4.16 says let, let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. This is an us religion in our time of me me uh, of need may we receive grace hebrews chapter 10 verse 22 and following is a is a we know these passages let us draw near to god with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water let us Hold unswervingly to the hope that we... How can you hold unswervingly by yourself? It's a lot harder. I guess you could do it. I guess God could give you the grace to do it. But he sent them out two by two. Why did he send them out two by two? Because it's a whole lot easier to go out two by two than it is to go out one by one. Whether you're selling vacuum cleaners or whether you're sharing the gospel. Because go out one by one, I'll get discouraged and I'll hang it up. But when I get discouraged and I'm getting ready to hang it up, maybe this person right here will encourage me not to do that and vice versa. You know why Christians should marry Christians? Because it can get discouraging sometimes and you need to hold each other up and you need to be able to encourage one another. And you need to be able to support one another. And even right there in your, Christ, in your home, there needs to be a support system. 
so you, can, so you can hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess. That's why it's so hard when you have one Christian and one unbeliever in, in the same home married to one another. There's not a support system right there at home. It's so much easier for Sue and I who can talk about spiritual things, who are on the same wavelength, who we don't have to disagree and we don't have to clash about the direction that we want to uh, lead our kids. It's so much easier for us to hold unswervingly because we have us. And we have a little support group with just in ourselves. That's why the Bible says do not be unequally yoked. What else do we have? Let us consider. Let us consider how we may spur one another on. Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, because if you don't come to church, God's going to kick you out of heaven, right? That's, that's what the writer says here, right? The, come to church because God's mad at you if you don't. No. He says, come to church so you can encourage one another. I never heard that growing up. Growing up, it was always, well, God's going to get mad at you if you don't come to church. Now, God wants you in church. Of course he does. But why are you in church so we can encourage one another? You know how discouraging it would be if I was here preaching to one person? It would be encouraging, discouraging to that one person and discouraging to me. Let us hold un, unswervingly to the hope that we profess. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another. Let us encourage one another. And then Hebrews 12. Therefore, we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Let us throw off everything that hinders how, how, much, how much easier it is for me to throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles if I've got a brother in Christ that's helping me do that? How much easier it is for me to be able to throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles if I've got a brother in Christ that I can talk to about that? How much easier it is for us to kick our pornography habits? How much easier it is for us to quit our, quit our smoking habits if I've got a brother and sister right here, that spurned me on to love and good deeds. And I spur him on. John Wesley said it's not a solitary religion. The Bible knows nothing, nothing of me and Jesus got a good thing going and me and Jesus got it all figured out. That was Tom T. Hall. That wasn't Jesus. One more verse. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Friend, what does it mean to come and see? What does it mean to come and see? Well, it means come and reason it out and debate it out and wrestle with it and ask questions and deal with your doubts. And that's best done with friends, processing all this with other people, people that are farther along than you in the faith, some people that are not as farther along, and you're getting together and you're encouraging one another and you're, you're, you're holding unswervingly and you're spurring one another on to love and good deeds and you just have a support system. Don't know how you can be a Christian without some type of support system, without some type of people, like-minded people around you. That's when we lead someone to the Lord, we tell them there's going to have to be a change in your friends. That doesn't mean you turn your back on your friends. That doesn't mean you're rude and ugly to your friends. But there's a difference between 
having someone that is a friend and having someone that you confide in, you take advice from, that you, that you, that you let feed into your life. Because you need different people around you. And the people that don't make those breaks, they don't make it. That's just as honest as I can be. The people that don't make those breaks from those unhealthy influences, and they're still allowing those unhealthy influences to be able to affect their thinking and to be able to drive their decisions, those people don't make it. My admonition to you this morning is, is we have a Christianity that Cannot fully be explained, but that doesn't mean you don't try to get your mind wrapped around it as much as you possibly can. We have a Christianity that we need to experience someone, and that's Jesus, but that doesn't mean it's just all about goosebumps and, and some kind of emotional trance. We love the Lord our God with our heart, soul, mind, and strength. It's a truth that sets us free. And it's done with friends. That's why it's so, so easy easier when you invite someone to church to be able to go pick them up and drive them here because they're scared to walk in because they don't know what's going to happen. Are they going to hand them a snake to handle as soon as they walk in or what's going to happen? To be standing right there at the door and so they know where to take their kids or to, they don't have to come in here and look where you are and they don't know anybody else and they're looking like a fool trying to find you because friends help us in this. Friends help us in this. So, as you tell people to come and see, and as you and me, as we come and see, we come and think. And we process it with the body. And if you don't have people that you're talking to, that are talking to you, you're talking to them. If you don't have people, Sunday school, small group, ladies Bible study, manly Monday, whatever it might be, Whatever it might be, prayer group on Wednesday night, whatever it might be, somebody you meet with at Tim Hortons Weekly, whatever it might be, you've got to be together and process this thing out with other people because you need support and someone else does too. Well, I don't, I'm not much into those small groups and Sunday school. I'm not much into that. I don't, I don't really think I need that, Okay. Maybe somebody needs you. And how in the world can we bear one another's burdens? And how in the world can we accept one another and grieve with one another and be hospitable to one another if we aren't together? Father, You can deal with all of our doubts, all of our unbelief, all of our questions. There's not a single one of them that surprises you. Help us to not be so private in our faith that we can't share with other people. It's, if it's just sharing our questions and sharing our misunderstandings or sharing our doubts, I pray that everyone under the sound of my voice has some people around them that they can process this thing through with. 
And Father, if they don't, I pray they come and talk to me and tell me they need somebody. Father, may we never ever use it as faith as just an excuse to be anti-intellectual about our faith. May we never use faith as an excuse to be ignorant about our faith. Book of Hebrews tells us to move on from the elementary truths of our faith. To move on from the elementary things of our faith. I pray that we be that kind of Christian. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.